0: You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag.
1: Like, for the computer,
0: it just seems to be like the, the software just runs out. Like you just can't keep up with what everything else is doing. Like it just becomes useless.
1: Yeah, and, like, for me, though, it's – there's some people that need upgraded computers, you know, like graphic artists and things like that, or people who are actually using the processing power of their computers. But, like, when I'm just using it for the sake of recording audio and a little bit of Photoshop, like, that's all web-based stuff anyways. So it's like, do I really need a new computer? I feel like if I went went out and bought a new one, it would be, like, a complete waste of money. It would be like, it's like, oh I got this really new shiny thing for what? Nothing. Because I wanted this new shiny thing. And it's, yeah, I'm going to try to, again, fingers crossed, you know, this, this laptop has served GGR well. Um, hopefully, I don't have to replace it anytime soon. But I was actually, yeah. uh, I was thinking back to when we first started podcasting, and I don't know if you remember and you may not even remember how we had to do it. But remember how we had to like finagle um audacity in order to be able to record you via Skype or whatever means we used in order for us to record our podcast when you moved back to uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, like I was just thinking about that the other day and like it's so crazy like the things that we like essentially figured out on our own like how to do this. Like it's Total homebrew. Yeah, exactly. Like we we, and because like MC was having issues, and he'll be joining us here in a little bit. He's finishing up uh, a few things. He actually went to the first day of uh, Escape Velocity, but um, what's that? Oh yeah, we'll talk all about it. Like we um, we got invited to a uh, an event that's this weekend up at National Harbor. National Harbor is like the big like fancy thing that they built. It's like. So there's D.C. on one side of the water, right? And then there's the Woodrow Wilson Bridge, which crosses. Have you ever gone 95 North, like, anywhere? You've crossed over the Woodrow Wilson Bridge when you go from Virginia into Maryland, right? So on the other side of that bridge is, like, this Ferris wheel and this fancy hotel and this cool, like, little waterfront area with restaurants and shops. And there's an MGM Grand Casino there. It's just, like, this really, really, really dope... Area And they do a lot of conventions and stuff like that. And uh, this thing called Escape Velocity, which is run by the Museum of Science Fiction, uh, they do it every year to try to raise money and raise awareness because they're trying to build an actual physical... Museum of Sound, Science Fiction in the DC area so they do this event and there's like people from NASA and they have like all these cool like special events and there's like a snow speeder from Star Wars is going to be there like an 8 foot model the USS Enterprise that they use for filming in the movies is going to be there so like I'm just losing my mind like I'm, I'm super excited about it and luckily because we're friends with Ulysses E. Campbell he uh, introduced me to the dude that runs it and we got press access so
0: that's crazy
1: yeah dude it's pretty cool i'm super excited about it um now i'm just sounds like a banging time it should be like it's well like and the neat thing about it too is it's not just like nerdy like it's not like a comic-con where it's like hey here's all this entertainment stuff and bring money buy a bunch of crap this is like it's also nasa is one of the main um the main contributors to this, like they're they're a huge sponsor of this event. So there's a lot of educational stuff going on here too. So it's not just the science fiction side of it. It's also the science side of it. So it's, it's, I mean, it's great for the kids. Like, it's just going to be a really, really cool time. And like, I'm super stoked about going tomorrow.
0: Is it like an all day thing?
1: I mean, could it be? Yeah. Um, I will probably like just have my fill after a few hours. Like I'll probably really enjoy myself because I'm actually going to be Um, on fantastic forum, I'll be co-hosting with Yuli, uh, tomorrow. So I have to stay until at least five o'clock when that's over. But then after that, I'll probably be like, Hey guys, let's go grab some dinner somewhere (laughs) and just bounce. Like I, I love going to events, man. Events are fun, but I am not an all day event person. Like it is, I get my fill and I'm just like, you know, you know how some people can go to the beach and they go to the beach like all day that that's Not not me that yeah, me neither. Right. Like I can go for a few hours and then I'm like, Hey, you know, it'd be awesome. Not being here anymore. Let's go. (laughs) being in a different place but now instead of later (laughs) somewhere where there's air conditioning somewhere where there's food somewhere where we don't have to sit here in the sun in the sand let's go now yeah it's like that oh man so we're just waiting on mc but i mean i'm recording now so we can have a a a lively conversation as we always do mr monic we we were actually having a really interesting conversation via text today uh, about the the Civil War, and actually, I'm gonna change the music right now because right now I've got my 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 chill '90s rock playlist going right now. But I'm gonna set the tone, and I'm gonna play. Uh, some music. I'm assuming Pancho's. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, <laughs> and fiddles. Um, so, I uh, if did did you get a chance to read the article that I wrote? I did.
0: It was really well written, and like just for clarity's sake. Uh, for the, you know, the listening audience, like I am not a history buff. Like, like it's very nice because a lot of times you and I are, boy, I sure like that thing. You know what, Mike, I also like that thing. And then we just talk about it, but this is one where it's very much, a, a, a in this, I don't want to say nostalgia thing. Cause I mean, you had the civil war, but like you're, you growing up, like you and your dad had that connection yeah. uh, of interested in it. Um, and then, you know, you fostered that growth and and learned about it. You're living in the environment, um, where the history is all around you. I did not have that upbringing. So for me, it's like, I remember passing the test that we talked about it in middle school, but beyond that, it didn't really matter. So it's very, very cool to see that perspective from someone that I agree so much with, like in pop culture and just a lot in life. Um, seeing your like through your eyes something that i have like no history or passion for (laughs) yeah um because i think we talked about uh what were we talking about um i don't remember oh with a dream theater concert yeah where we're saying like it's something like you yourself probably wouldn't care about or be as interested in but because someone close to you is like so jazzed up about it you're like. Maybe I will start caring about this a little bit. <laughs> that's kind of, that's the feeling I got reading the article. And it's really well written, whether you know anything about the Civil War or not.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. And so the the article we are discussing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can check out. If you go to, to greatgeekrefuge.com, you click on Articles. Right down there, underneath our March Madness stuff, is uh, the What to Watch series that I do. And it's uh, The Civil War, a film by Ken Burns. So... This is originally, it's really originally released in the 90s, and it is the most popular series that PBS has ever done, ever. People lost their minds for this series, and rightfully so. It is just, it's incredibly well put together. It's, like, I'm actually playing the music in the background now. Uh, The song is called uh, Ashokan Farewell, which, it's like fiddles, and, like, there's a banjo and, like, a guitar, but it just, it sounds like the Civil War. I don't know how to describe it any other way than that. In fact, actually, Steve, for your sake, I'm actually going to pause the music that we have as the background music of our podcast, and I'm actually going to play it um, through my phone so you can hear it too. <laughs> um, I would
0: certainly hope so.
1: But it also, it sets the tone too. So, like, it, it really... And the funny thing about this is, is this song you hear it and you're like, oh, that sounds like something that would be in the 1860s, right? song was written in like 1983 but I also can't hear it without wanting to do like a voiceover while it's playing too you know like like a slow somber exactly many men lost their lives that day exactly it was on the battlefield of first manassas where Corporal reginald buttfellow was shot by several cannons blown to pieces but still staggered all the way back to his tent long enough to write a longing love letter to his darling Clara dearest Clara I have no arms I have no legs in fact I'm writing this with my teeth I will love I'm you just forever i the didn't get me <laughs> I will love you forever until my dying day in fact my dying day is today dearest regards Reginald the Third, private US Army
0: <laughs> okay. uh, we're weird dudes like let's let's get let's get honest about this
1: <laughs> basically yeah but like it's the, the song as you can hear I mean it's just like it, it's it's at the beginning of every single episode of the Civil War and there's nine of them right so like every time you hear this song, you're just like, all right, all right. So here's more depressing shit about our country where you know our our people decided that they wanted to kill each other over some really fucked up stuff. Like, but then like because of the the subject matter, um, it, it, it's very it's a very moving song just by itself. Like you'll um like just listen to it in in its entirety when you get the chance. But like it's one of the few songs like we both love music enough to appreciate what I'm about to say, but, like, you hear a song, and it's actually emotionally moving. That's what this song was. Like, this this brought me almost to, like, the verge of tears. I was like, wow, this is such a beautiful song. Like, and it's incredible. And, like, hats off to Ken Burns for, like, finding this song and making this, like, the centerpiece of this documentary because, like, I don't think he could have found anything else that would have worked better than this.
0: No, it puts you in a time and a place. Kind of like certain songs that weren't even necessarily big hits in their time like you always think you hear like uh credence clearwater revival and like that instantly puts you in like vietnam era like you hear it and you're like bang and you're like uh i I think it was a cracked podcast i was listening to and they're like do you know what the number one song was that year it was i want candy like not even remotely close to what we think of but yeah, like you certainly hear a kind of music and you're like, yeah, that's a Civil War song. Just it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's what was incredible about this documentary is, is it was just like he, they found things that were just just spot on. Not only that. OK, so early 90s, right? Any person that was black in the documentary that they were like finding like the the memoirs of it was it, it was Morgan Freeman like it was like it was it was kind of it was kind of like racist but it was also kind of like well that makes sense because he does have the greatest voice ever so like every single person Frederick Douglass random slave number seven like it didn't matter who it was it was Morgan Freeman and they got Sam Waterson of uh, Law and Order fame to do the voice of Abraham Lincoln and there's just something about Sam Waterson that just sounds like, yeah, this guy has the voice of a, of a of a president that was embattled by a war that fractured his country. Like, it, it was just it was very, very well done. It, it took a lot of flack, like, as I wrote in the article because a lot of historians, well, I mean like, any historian for anything that's done historically uh, it, they took shots at it because they were like oh, it's missing this and it's missing that and, and those sorts of things. And then, like, like actual historians. But the funny thing is, is then there's like people like, and I, and I talk about him in the article. His name is Shelby foot, right? And Shelby foot is a, um, I don't want to say sympathizer cause that's the wrong word, but he's a Southern enthusiast. We'll, we'll use that term, <laughs> but like he, okay. First off his parents were Mississippi slave owners and they fought in the civil war. That's the first thing, right? So like the dude has a clear bias And then, like, the second part of it, too, is he's got that southern gentleman quality of his voice that just makes anything that he says sounds credible. So, like, he could be making up anything. It doesn't even matter. Well, first off, foremost, uh, it's a well-known fact that aliens visited our planet in 1974 and took over our government. And ever since then, we have been under the rule of the gray alien uh, spaceman who have been dictating all things, uh, government and all sorts of things socially as well. And you're just like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right, right on Shelby. Yeah. Like I would buy that man's chicken. <laughs> it was, It's just funny. Cause I mean like, and he's well, he's really well spoken and he's well read and he's an excellent writer. But the thing is, is he's not a historian. Like, He's no more a historian than I am or my dad is or anybody else who read history books. But like he doesn't have the qualifications, but he speaks like he has the qualifications. And you just that that was the gripe that a lot of people had about this documentary is that Shelby Foote, because he gets off on these tangents like most southern dudes do. He he takes up like 80 percent of the quote unquote expert opinion when they're doing this documentary because he just talks so long and so you're just you're captivated by him you're like yeah just keep telling me more so how many herbs and spices is it like it's (laughs) yeah and there's like other people in there there's like one of the guys that they use is like the the he's the historian emeritus for the national park uh service um, Ed Bears. And then they also use, um, she is, and I'm trying to find her name right now, uh, Barbara J. Fields. She's a professor at Columbia University, and her focus is uh, American South, 19th century social history, and the transition to capitalism in the United States. So, uh, yeah, those two people, totally credible. But then then there's, she, she, there's Shelby Foote with his southern accent, and it's like, oh, furthermore, and therefore, vis-a-vis, ergo, concordantly, I find that this is the way that this Happened, and you're just like, well, I believe that guy because he sounds cool. Like it's, it's, it's so funny. And I was talking, to my, I was talking to my dad about it, and of course, he was just like, well, Shelby Foot said this, and I'm like, Dad, he's not even a. <sighs> Never mind. It's fun.
0: <laughs> it's funny how that goes, though. Like I watch yeah. a ton of debates. Like I yeah. watch and listen to a lot of debates on a lot of different topics. Yeah. And what you find when you listen to it is one, it's not the best way to learn something. There's way better ways to learn a piece of information. This is better on how to articulate a person or a position to a person. But secondly, like nine million times in a row, like I'll listen to something and I'll go, I know what they're saying is wrong, but they're saying it's so much better than the other person. Like it's not necessarily the person who has the right argument who wins, quote, Wins the debate. It's the person who presents their case the best. Yeah, um, and that that's always like. So it's kind of like what you're saying there is. It's like I'm pretty sure the content of what he's saying is nonsense, but the meaning, the the, the manner in which he's <laughs> saying it to me sounds so like like sweet honey coming out of his mouth that I just can't help but <laughs> like it. <laughs>
1: There was a description I was reading about him that, like, had me dying. It was saying... Like, I used I used my own variation of it when I said... Let me see if I can find it right now. Uh, here it is. Okay. In recent years, the documentary has come under scrutiny for the same issues. One of the biggest points of contention is the aforementioned Shelby Foote, whose soothing southern drawl could allow him to tell you the sky was green and you would be inclined to believe him and his legitimacy as a historian. Somebody described his voice as... Uh, Uh, inaccurate sweet southern tupelo honey like it was i was just dying i was like yeah you you know it's not factually correct but you know hey at least it sounds good like it's it was exactly it, it was exactly the way like every single professor i ever knew and and by professor i mean somebody who was from the south and thought they knew everything um it was every single argument that I ever heard growing up about the Civil War, when you'd be talking about it and somebody would be like, well, you know, as a matter of fact, the war was actually fought uh, about states' rights, and you're just like, oh, fuck off. Like, it's... Yes, it was. It was fought about states' rights. You're absolutely right. But every single one of those states that left the union because they wanted their own states' rights also made a big like to do, and they were like, "Yeah, we uh we want rights uh to be able to overthrow any uh, law that comes from the federal government." But it's been more well, more in particularly, uh, we don't want you to be able to tell us what we can and can't do with slaves because slaves are lesser than human, and you're just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> And, like, and that's the thing. It's just not like they, I'm making this shit up. Like if you look, you can find the letters from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, uh, Tennessee. They all were just like, nah, dude, they're not human. And we want to keep them as slaves. And because you guys won't let us and because you're saying that uh, we have to eventually get rid of them. And that was the thing is, is the North never said to them, get rid of your slaves. They said, hey... As we expand west, you know, like into Kansas and, like, all these other states, we don't want to bring slaves there. And the South was like, oh, fuck that. You can't tell us what to do. We want to take slaves wherever the hell we want to go. So we're leaving because you and this top hat motherfucker is president now. And we don't even like this guy. Have you seen his beard? Like, he doesn't have a mustache. Like, who the hell is this guy? And they, and they literally left because of that. And Lincoln was like, I'm not going to abolish slavery. And they're like, he said slavery. We got to leave. And, like, it just makes me so mad because people are like, it wasn't about slavery. Yes, it fucking was.
0: It's funny the way you described that because it was kind of like, I think I've told this story in the podcast before, but when I went on an a online date with a girl and we went on like two or three dates and then the one night she's a little tipsy and just kind of casually mentioned that her and her dad like mine comp and like think that it has good things to say. <laughs> like just su- like super cash, just like drop it like we were riding from one location to the other. And we were talking about a variety of topics the way you do when you're on a date, you're getting to know somebody. And so you're, like, kind of like the way you're describing the South. You're, like, and we want this, and we want that other thing, and we want to keep other humans, and we want this thing. And it was, like, (laughs) that's kind of what it reminded me of. And then, like, you just have that red flag go off, and then it just becomes that buzzing noise they play in movies after, like, a bomb goes off. Like, you can't hear anything (laughs) else. Because, like, everything has changed from that one sentence.
1: <laughs> it's just it's, – it, it blows me away. Like, I understand the concept. And I even think I said, like, later in the article, I was like, yes. So let me admit, it was a war about states' rights. But it was about – one of the most important states' rights was the South wanted to keep slaves forever. And that's not going to work. Like, it, yeah, I think the
0: way to put it is, like, it's about states' right. Like, the one right that they cared about at that moment. Mm-hmm. And they were wrapping it up in this big – yeah to do, but, like, yeah, it's about the state's right, singular. Yeah,
1: because, like, that was the other thing, is they didn't bring anything else up. It's not like they were like, you know what else we want the right to? We want the right to um, as many pizzas as we possibly can have. Uh, it's, it, uh, Hey, uh, Jim Bob, it's 1861. Uh, pizza has not yet been brought to the United States. Back what? to the time machine. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, they're gonna find out we're from the future. Fuck. Like It's... <laughs> Oh my God. And like, and that's the thing. Like, I just, I I wish that there was a way for, for, because there's a lot of great things that came from the South before the war happened. So, like, a lot of the people that fought for the South were military geniuses. Like, like Stonewall Jackson, for instance, first off, he was a psychopath. There's that. Like, but secondly, like, he was just a tactical genius. Same thing with Robert E. Lee. They were just incredibly astute military commanders, but they were traitors. You know, they chose to fight against the United States. And like my dad has said this to me many times in context. He's like, listen, you have to understand that in the 1860s, national identity was not what it is now. He's like people identified with their state. That was their home because that's all you saw. That's all you knew. You know, you, you didn't get to see the entire country. So it was, and, and, and actually in Shelby Foote to his credit like one of his quotes that he said that, that was brilliant he talks about what happened before and what happened after this uh, war he said that before the Civil War the United States uh, are a collection of states that's that's how we define the United States he's like after the war the United States is it brought the country together and we were one country indivisible and I, that was that, that really explained it I mean in a way but, like, at the same time, too, to be like, well, I'm, I'm going to fight for my state and I'm going to defend my homeland. and I'm going to defend my farm and I'm going to defend my family. There's no way these guys didn't know, you know. There's no way that they didn't know that, like, their state believes that, you know, African-Americans – well, they weren't even African-Americans then. They were just African slaves – were – were being kept in in servitude forever, and that was why their state left the Union. Like, there's no way. But it's... I mean, it's it's hard... You can't... It's hard to force your opinion from the 21st century on the 19th century, because it was just a different time. But at the same time, too, like... Well, uh, yes and no, because, I mean, like, when you really break it down, I mean... That
0: is kind of the same mentality as the Nazi party you're talking about with um, a, a, a socialist kind of ideology of the state is the greatest element. And we're going to have the, the whole people of this country, this German country, um, wrap themselves up in the government and the system that, you, you know, you lost World War One. Things are terrible for you. We, as this party, are going to pull you out of it. And you know who's to blame for it? This other group over here that we do not consider human beings, the same way we're talking about with the Civil War. And then everyone just kind of gets whipped up into this idea of uh, supporting their geographic location and their culture that's in that area, identifying themselves as that way, seeing the other as less than human and then doing inhuman things to them and fighting against people who are trying to free those people and and like you said there's great things that came from the south and there's these great genius tacticians and everything there were Nazi scientists who did brilliant things. They had to do horrible, horrible things to their human beings. So I don't think the ends justify the means. No, I'm, I'm totally but, with you, yeah. But there there was intelligence there, and you can't deny that aspect of it. It was just used for evil instead of good. So I think, unfortunately, like these things pop up because they're symptomatic of the darkest side of humanity. And unfortunately, I mean, we're probably going to have it come up again sometime in the future when some inciting thing happens. Probably the best element to describe right now is like terrorists, people who are literally willing to blow themselves and other people up because of some kind of ideology. Now, that one happens to be religious instead of cultural, but any anything that's a unifying factor that can drive people to violence, you're going to see this kind of stuff. And that's why it's the greatest shame of our country is that Half of the country thought it was cool to own other human beings and see them less people.
1: Yeah. And that's and they and they talk about that, too, is like they call it the stain of slavery. And like it wasn't even just the North either. And it wasn't just during the Civil War. I mean, John Adams, who was long dead before the Civil War started, he said the same thing. Thomas Jefferson, a slave owning dude, even said, I think the way he described it. And and I'm trying to remember the exact quote. He said slavery is like holding a wolf by the ears. You know it's not smart, but you damn sure don't want to let go. And like that—that that, I think that really crystallizes it. It's like you know what what you're doing is wrong and it's stupid, but like if you do it, holy shit, what's going to happen if you do? And like the the South held on so long to it because they were going to be crippled economically if they did. I mean, they didn't have the workforce basically. Like it's and 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 that's the problem. And, and I mentioned it in the article too, is that. Just like in today's wars, young men who don't really know exactly what the reason is are are being sent off by politicians and government officials to die for their wars. And Mm -hmm. it's sad that in 200 plus years, not much has changed, you know, like the, the same things are happening. Like men are dying for somebody else's cause, because if those guys from the South didn't weren't fighting for slavery, they were just fighting for their home. Those those politicians that, that Made the secession papers in the first place They were fighting for slavery So that was their cause you know, They were fighting for this other person's cause And it just It it sucks
0: Yeah that's a huge philosophical question of yeah. like Where does responsibility Begin and end with that kind of thing
1: Yeah And like it's And M- MC welcome by the way Sorry, uh, Welcome to uh, GGR's uh, history <laughs> chat As we talk about the Civil War. <laughs> I feel like we have to have, like, real hushed tones and talk like we're on uh, NPR right now. Um, <laughs> me too! <yeah. laughs> Yay! I like things. Um, I was telling MC about this, and he actually told me a really interesting story. It was funny. Like, MC, tell me a little bit about what you did in high school when, it, in regards to the Civil War. Oh, boy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so... In high school, I was part of a uh, this cl- this club called the Time Travelers Club. Sounds like the funniest uh, thing ever, by the
0: way.
2: And for perspective, it, it was not a club for speedsters. It was just regular regular old folk. And <laughs> <laughs> it was basically a it was basically a club for people who were history nerds, or you or you you know you were you were you had some interest in history. And so once a month, uh, we uh, took trips to historical landmarks around the. D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and then we would go and just learn about stuff that happened there, you know, history and whatnot. And then at the end of the year, we had a giant, you know, overnight trip. So my junior year of high school, our giant overnight trip was we took a trip to, uh, to Gettysburg. I mean, excuse me. We Well, we did go to Gettysburg, but we uh, went to Monticello and we did a, a tour of Monticello. And this is the part Mike wanted me to mention. I was part of a Civil War reenactment.
1: <laughs> what side did you fight for? <sighs> the
0: South. <laughs> <laughs> like the hardest sigh I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was uh, unfortunately drafted to the South. Oh, man. I was uh, fighting for my own oppression. <laughs>
0: So, no, not I funny. mean, like, what? What logistically was the thought behind that? Like, who made that call? Well, it, what it was
2: was when we got there, uh, my teacher, who the one, uh, one of the teachers who was in charge, was like, "Yeah, we can't have all of you fight for the North. So, some of you are going to, you know." And so they they literally were just like, "Cut! Uh, if you're on this side of this person, then you are the South." And that's pretty much what happens.
1: <laughs> you and like all the other black guys that are on the south are like man this is some bullshit like, I mean we're obviously not we're obviously it, like going try too
0: hard
2: it was kind of lopsided that way I was, it wasn't like I was the only one
1: the only one on my side as the north is like taking the hill you're like no please don't stop Yeah, states right <laughs> <laughs> south will rise again <laughs> uh, yay. wish I wasn't Dixie uh, yeah
2: wasn't paying too much attention on patrol Yeah I got, I
1: got. Oh, I think those are Union soldiers But no, it's probably just horses <laughs> Yep <Yeah. laughs> I just, yeah, I, I think, Steve you, it, it does open up a really interesting Philosophical question of, like first off, they, that that was one of the things that I loved about this is like, even like, like I said, there there were probably guys fighting for the South that were essentially being like not suckered into, but like, they had no stake in this other than, I don't feel like seeing my home burned and pillaged, so I'm going to defend it. But like, <clears throat> um, William Tecumseh Sherman had the best quote, I think, of the entire war. Um, he said, it is, it is only those who have never fired a shot nor heard the shrieks and groans of the wounded who cry aloud for blood, more vengeance, more de- de- uh, desolation. War is hell, and like that. I mean that that in a nutshell is exactly what happens. Nobody who's actually been shot at or seen people die or any of that is going to be like, hey, you know what? We need more of this because this is dope. Like it, it's 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 horrible, and like that they put that in context, big time. In this, and like Steve, I think I was telling you the story when we went and saw the Fredericksburg battlefield when you were down here that, like, the Union basically was like, they saw all of the Confederates, like, up on the hill in these, like, entrenched positions. Basically, like, they've got the high ground, they're Obi Wan Kenobi, and the North is like, I'm Anakin Skywalker, I got a lot of people, man, it's cool, you underestimate my power, and just marched them right at this hill, and the South just, just obliterated them. And there were, like, Northern men on the field just laying there dying. And the southern soldiers were hearing this, and there was a guy who was like, "I'm coming out and I'm giving them water because this is f- effing horrible," and like just walked across the lines to to give them water because ultimately they're they're people, and and like three four years before they were the, they were countrymen, and now they're not, and like you would have politicians, oh no, you need to obliterate them because they're trying to to stop our, our our secession, they're trying to stop our independence. Like it, it's not about that, and no soldier would ever be like that and it's it's yeah it was crazy and like the the whole thing was just like it, it blows my mind and like there are some people who still are like oh well no they were traitors after the war you have to realize that lincoln's only goal was to bring this country back together he even said it like yep he even said at one point early in the war he was like look if i could if i could end this war and bring this country if i could save this union without freeing a slave any slaves I would do it if I and if I could save it by freeing all the slaves I would do it and if I could save it by freeing some of the slaves and leaving others alone I would do that he just wanted to bring this country together and then later realized if I free all of the slaves we can win this war we can bring this country back together and afterwards he wasn't going to be like well you know what anybody who shot it you know a union soldier get the hell out no he wanted to try to heal this country and like I still wonder how different things would have been had he lived instead of being assassinated Good question. Yeah, because like the what happened afterwards—they call it the Reconstruction pe- uh, period—was a disaster. Like it was, it what? was awful, and like awful, awful things happened because of it. And it was just like it was just an absolute mess.
2: It, it it's kind of interesting because there's uh, – I'm not sure if you if you both have heard heard about this, but the uh, the the writers for Game of Thrones is actually coming out with this series for HBO called Confederate. Which is actually supposed to explore In, in alt history uh, What if the South had won And perhaps maybe That could be something they end up exploring You know Lincoln is alive and doesn't get assassinated And what this post What this post war
1: Thing would be like yeah. you know? They did a, a documentary It was called the Confederate States of America That was an alternate history Where the South won Because England basically brought their help into the war and helped the South, and that was enough to pretty much obliterate the North. And they talk about some of the horrible things, and, and like the thing is, is all the things they talked about, it was all based on things that the Confederates had actually planned. The Confederates wanted to spread their country to Cuba and South America and Central America and spread slavery even further. Like that was their intent. Oh. And obviously it didn't work, thank God. But, like, it, it's, yeah, it, it really did become a philosophical thing. And, like, it, it's, th- this war has been over for over 200 years, and it's still a, a hot, like, highly contested thing. People still fight about this. In fact, um, Ethan Hawke is going to be uh, John Brown, the abolition- abolitionist, who essentially, his act where he attacked the, um, the battery at uh, Harper's Ferry was essentially the catalyst that started the civil war like he uh he took over the because um, there was like just a ton of weapons and stuff like that for the for the military there um and he wanted to lead a slave revolt basically and have them overthrow their their captors and things like that and that he thought that that would be the way to do it because he thought he was um he thought he was chosen by god to end slavery mm-hmm. and it was because of him doing that that really kind of kicked off the whole thing. And the funny thing about it is is the guy who went to stop him from the uh, United States military was Colonel Robert E. Lee. Wow. Yeah. So it's, and there's all sorts of weird, crazy things about that too. Like, they say that, okay, so in in Manassas, the first Manassas, the first battle of the Civil War, um, I can't remember the guy's uh, first name, but his last name is McLean. So McLean's front John, yard basically, John McLean. yes, it was John McLean crawling through air ducts You know, to to stop the Confederates. We're talking about important stuff. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this guy, McLean like owned the property where the first manassas was fought, more or less. And he was pissed and he was like, well, this is bullshit. I'm getting out of here and I'm moving to the country and I'm going to get as far away from this war as I possibly can. I'm going to move to a little place called Appomattox Courthouse. Well, the last battle of the Civil War was at Appomattox Courthouse, and the armistice <laughs> treaty that stopped the battle was signed in McLean's front parlor. So it literally the war started and stopped in the same dude's front yard. Like that like how fucking nuts is that? Right. And it's not like Manassas. It's not like Manassas is like, uh, you know, on one side of the train tracks, and then Appomattox Courthouse is on the other side. Like Appomattox Courthouse is a good like five hours drive. So like this would have been like by horse and buggy. It would have taken him like days to get there. So like this dude rides away like probably like a week's worth of travel on a horse, and he's just like, huh, whew, I'm finally, far, I'm far away, far enough away from this stupid war. And then four years later, hey, can we sign our treaty in your front yard, dude? Is that cool? <laughs> You guys again. You assholes, God. Find somewhere else to fight your stupid war.
2: Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for more podcasts and our awesome articles. Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy.